welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast presented by 444.com. I'm your host, Greg Smith, and the music on today's program is Sissy Neck by Beck off his 1996 album, Odelay. I was out of town this past week borrowing a car almost as old as Odelay. I think it was a 1999 Honda Accord. And all I really had access to while driving around was the radio and a CD player. Like, usually I'm jacked into my phone, like, listening to podcasts or something else. And there was a well-worn copy of the album in the car, uh, and there weren't a ton of other discs I was super interested in spinning, so Odalay saw some pretty heavy rotation over the week. Uh, It still holds up, man, and I'm going to double dip with another song from the record on tomorrow's Waiver Wire podcast. Anyway, if you want to listen to Sissy Neck or any of the other music I use on these shows here at TMAP, check out the TMAP B-Sides playlist on Spotify, which is linked in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by Fantasy Draft, Daily Fantasy's only rake-free site. They're running the largest rake-free contests available on each and every slate. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 444, and you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. Remember that Fantasy Draft is the only DFS site where 100% of entry fees are paid to contest winners. So get yourself signed up with the promo code 444, 4-F-O-R-4, and see how great it feels to grind rake-free. And I'd like to welcome Holden Kushner back to the program. Uh, He was with the... He was with me in the preseason. He's back here to talk a little week four, uh, host of the Fantasy First podcast. He's on the DFS MVP podcast here at 444, at Holden Radio on Twitter. Welcome back, man. How you doing? I am doing wonderful, Greg. It was a successful week four, although we still have Monday night, right? So maybe hopefully it'll get a little bit better, but uh, things are going well, pal. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I mean, it was a really messy week for me. I didn't have a great feel for it coming in. Uh, like in the previous two weeks, I had what I felt like was a really good feel for the league. I went like 11 of 16 against the spread in both weeks two and week three. I got only three picks right in week four, so uh, woof. Uh, you know, when a bunch of random players started scoring touchdowns early in the day, uh, I was traveling all day yesterday, but I, I caught a little bit of the games uh, just from my phone and from the bar at the airport. But when you start seeing those like no name players show up, it started to smell like a strange week. And that's kind of how it turned out for me. What sort of surprising development in week four did you see? And, and do you think it was real or do you think it was a mirage? Well, I think, you know, the, this whole Gardner Minshew Jacksonville offense is interesting. I'm mm-hmm. still not on Minshew. I got to tell you, if you have Leonard Fournette, I would deal him now. I, I, I loved his matchup this week. I ran him out there. You know, I'm a big daily fantasy player. Ran him out there there. Um, had him in a couple of seasonal leagues. Very small exposure to him there. But every week you should be targeting the Denver running def- rush defense. Yep. You should target the Philadelphia secondary. Maybe not this week because they're playing the Jets, but <laughs> – I think Leonard Fournette is a guy that I was not surprised broke out, and I think Leonard Fournette is a guy that I'm selling high on. That'd be one thing. And then you mentioned it, man, a whole bunch of dudes that are just scoring touchdowns, like Raquel Armstead. You know, he catches a touchdown pass. Gardner Minshew is, is all over the place. So I think that Jacksonville game yesterday uh, w- was kind of interesting. I think the Redskins uh, is a team that you're just going to target every single week defensively if you can stream New England's probably not available on your wires, but there's a few teams you can stream to play against defensively. And I think, you know, Washington, Miami, these are teams that you should go after every single week. And then I'm also interested to see how Chase Daniel performs for Mitch Trubisky, because this is a multi-week injury. Matt Nagy says he doesn't think it's going to be a season-long injury. We'll find out more as the week goes on. But I do wonder if Chase Daniel is at least going to be stream viable now with all these bye weeks coming up. Yeah, I like that you brought up Fournette. He was at the top of my list. 31 touches this week. And in the previous weeks, he had 17, 19, 21. I 
don't think that that's sustainable. I think that, that you're exactly right. This is a perfect time to sell high on him. Even if only because that heavy workload, you know, from this week could mean that maybe he's a little bit more susceptible to injury, you know, in the coming weeks. I'm not sure. Uh, but in general, like, people are going to look at the yardage total. They're going to look at the fantasy score. And they're going to say, hey, this guy's amazing. He's that first-round pick we wanted last year. Uh, I'm going to buy him. And I think you're right. It's time to move off him if you can. Uh, the other one that stood out to me was just that Bucks rams firefight. I, mm. I, did, I mean, I expected some potential shootout action there, but it went above and beyond my expectations. What did you think about that game? Yeah, that was a wild one, man. And if you had Jameis Winston or even Mike Evans, but Curtis Godwin won a lot of people the week. You know, and when we look, when we look at that team, um, Jameis Winston said, hey, if they're still going to double Mike Evans, then I'm just going to go to Godwin. And that's what he's been doing. You got the number two and number three wide receivers in PPR leagues on the same team. So we'll see if that's sustainable for the Rams. I mean, Jared Goff, this offense has not been the same. I know they put up 5,000 points yesterday, and it seems as though they got it going, but they really don't. They were out of this from the start, and they abandoned their run game. Todd Gurley cleaned up with a couple touchdowns finally. Yay! You know, he's still, you know what? By the end of the season, as much as we can't stand him, I think he's going to be a top. Maybe a top 12 running back if he stays healthy. Probably a top 15 running back. He's just not the dominant force he was. And for the Rams, you know, I had this long keeper league, and I had a decision to come down to, was I going to keep Zach Ertz or Cooper Cup? And I kept Cooper, or I kept Zach Ertz, and it's my biggest mistake that I can even remember making because Cooper Cup is a legit top five PPR wide receiver, probably in standard two. I think he's number four right now. Um, you might want to check that out, but he's a top five fantasy wide receiver. So I think that's the go-to guy right there. Goff cup. And for the bucks again, you know, their run game is not very good. Peyton Barber found the end zone, but these two wide receivers and Godwin and Evans are just going to be monsters the rest of the way. Yeah. I was off cup to the injury that he had last year because he had it so late <laughs> in the year, it really scared me off. And who knows? I mean, maybe cup will get hurt, you know, in the next three weeks or something. And then, we'll all feel like we were smart again. Uh, that's just kind of how this fantasy stuff works. Like sometimes you're right and then uh, sometimes you're wrong and, and it flip-flops on you in, in no time at all. Kind I want to drill down on you about that keeper decision between Ertz and Cup. Does that give you any pause in terms of keeping a tight end in general in leagues going forward? Because that's something that I've tended to avoid is just avoiding the tight end position as keepers at all because they are that position is actually more injury prone than others and the production is so wonky week to week for most of the guys that I feel like I can always at least try to stream the position or find a value guy in drafts to the point where I never feel the need to use one of my limited keeper spots on that position. Uh, does that sort of argument carry any weight with you, Holden? Not right now when I had one of the top three guys. Okay. You know, if you had Kelsey, Kittle has not performed yet. Uh, if you had Kelsey, Elsie, <laughs> Kelsey or Elsie, Kelsey, <laughs> Kittle or Ertz, I think, yeah, I had no problem keeping any of those guys, especially in PPR with Ertz. But, um, you know, just looking back on it, it's what pisses me off more than anything else. You know, two years ago it was, all right, do I t keep Todd Gurley or do I go – and I kept Gurley, and it was the best decision ever, won championships. He was great last year. Um, but I just made a mistake this year. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it happens. Um, you mentioned Trubisky's shoulder injury. Let's talk about some other injuries. Marlon Mack injured his ankle against the Raiders. How serious do you expect that to be? Are you going to be rushing to the wire for Naheem Hines or Jordan Wilkins? Uh, how are you handling that situation in Indianapolis? 
I mean, the Raiders shut them down on Sunday. I am really concerned about this offense without T.Y. Hilton. If T.Y. Hilton's in there, great. Uh, It sounded to me, listening to Frank Reich after the game, that they're just going to get Marlon Mack to try and work through this. I think more than anything else, it was game script. You know, Mack's ankle has hurt him a lot, and that hurts him going forward against Kansas City, too. So that's something to keep an eye on. As far as the rest of the running game, I mean, if you're PPR, I suppose you can go with one of the other backs, but that's an offense right now without more, without uh, T.Y. Hilton that I am not buying whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it was fun to be rooting for Jacoby Brissett, and I'm still going to keep rooting for him, kind of getting thrust into the fire like he did, but we have to be concerned about that offense, about that offense like you said, especially while T.Y. is out. Uh, let's talk about Tyron Smith, uh, high ankle sprain for the Dallas offensive lineman, how do you think this impacts their offense? You know, Dak, Zeke, the receivers there in Dallas. How do you think it affects them? I think they'll be just fine. I think that game in the Superdome was kind of an anomaly, to tell you the truth. Zeke should be fine. He found the end zone. I think that people, if you get scared off of one game. Now, here's the concerning thing about the Cowboys is that they finally played a team that's good. Because they had a Swiss yeah. cheese schedule to start the year, and then they played the Saints and they got shut down. But I'm not worried about it. Cooper could still explode any game. Zeke Elliott is still a stud. Uh, Jason Witten seems to be a legit uh, tight end at this point. He's a top 10 tight end, I think. Uh, so I'm not too worried about it. I think it's a big injury, but I also think it's one that the Cowboys can overcome. Yeah, I think you might be right, but I saw someone post uh, a next-gen stats graphic of Ezekiel Elliott's carry chart on Sunday, and it was yeah. <laughs> pretty gross. It's just a bunch of like four- to five-yard runs at most, like a lot of stuff just around the line of scrimmage, and he got into the end zone. So, I, I mean, that definitely helps save the day a little bit, but for the most part, he was bottled up, and I was surprised by that. I did not expect that against the Saints. And the Saints do have a, a pretty good rushing defense, but I'm wondering if or maybe that's that Tyron Smith injury is kind of what you know led to that poor performance from Zeke in some part. Uh, but again, that was, again, so many weird games, and that was definitely one of them. Did not turn out the way I expected it. Let's talk about the Trubisky injury a little bit more, because Chase Daniel came in. He looked better than Trubisky has all year. I don't know if that can continue. I, I have a feeling that you know next week it'll be back to, uh, you know, he's going to turn it back into a pumpkin, you know, right in time for October, right? Do you expect this to have a significant impact on the weapons there, though, the receivers in Chicago? Well, did you see the target counts for Allen Robinson and everybody else after that? Um, because fine. I'm, huh? they seem fine. So that's all I'm worried about. So if if they are going to continue to go with that, and this is not a team that's going to win with offense, anyways. You know, we've been waiting for them to feed David Montgomery, and I just that's not happening right now. I think it's going to happen the second half of the season. That's what Nagy at least is probably shooting for. They're going to win with a lot of defense. Montgomery did get 21 carries, which was really nice. He got three catches for 14 yards, too. Uh, I, I don't, it really depends on Allen Robinson. He caught all seven of his targets, so I'm fine with that. But you tell me what other weapons are startable every single week. I, I just don't think that it affects anybody outside of Allen Robinson at this point. And it was fine yesterday. So they're going to try and run. Maybe David Montgomery gets a little boost if they could continue playing from a, ahead but um i'm not worried about it uh, maybe it makes me think twice about starting a defense against the bears at least for now how about all the other concussions we saw this weekend josh allen jarvis landry tj hawkinson 
What is your typical expectation for players who are returning from concussions? Like, do you expect them to be back there within two weeks? Do you kind of gauge it based upon the type of hit the player took? Like, what's your approach to that? I have had eight concussions. Legit. Like, I never knew that I had eight concussions till I was in a car accident. And then they said, you know, try and think about it. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I I ran into a basketball pole. I got hit in the head with a bat. Uh, A lot of bad things have happened. So... Uh, I, I don't know how to predict that. I just know if they are suiting up and they pass protocol, I'm going to start them. Yeah, fair enough. And it's just one of those things where you have to monitor them. And it does seem to me like the general MO for most guys coming back from a concussion is to be very likely to miss the first game afterwards, but then be ready two games later. Uh, that seems to be pretty standard operating procedure for most players. But again, every player is very different. And depending upon how many concussions that player has had, like you look at Jordan Reed, he had one in the preseason and he still hasn't suited up, right? So it is going to vary depending upon you know the severity and all that. But I, I think it's a, an interesting one to kind of try to figure out what the, the baseline is so that we can apply that value to our fantasy players as kind of sick and morbid as that is, is to worry about this sort of stuff. I ultimately, we just want to hope they get better. Right. Um, but last injury I want to talk to you about Holden is Dontrell Inman injuring his quad. And the, the chargers can't seem to keep any of their receivers healthy on the field. Like how does this impact their offense in your mind? Well, big Mike Williams comes back and they're fine. You know, um, Dontrell Inman really wasn't a, a game changer or anything like that. So, I just think Keenan Allen, you know, this, this is the problem. If Williams isn't out there, Keenan Allen's getting double because they don't have Henry. If they don't have Inman or even if they have Inman, teams are now just going to start trying to shut down Keenan Allen with double teams. So we saw that yesterday. I did feel uncomfortable with, with Keenan Allen. A lot of people thought he was going to be the number one wide receiver. I just think the lack of weapons there in the passing game are going to hurt him. Obviously, the big story, though, is at running back, right? Yep. So Melvin Gordon didn't even play. They're going to work him in. I still think we got another good week out of Austin Eckler. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. If you have Austin Eckler and you didn't trade him when you were supposed to trade him, which was about two or three weeks ago, uh, if you're stuck with him, I still think you got one more week out of him. So at least he's going to be there in the passing game. How about Troy Main Pope, too? Ugh. <laughs> Two receiving touchdowns? Are you kidding me, man? Yeah, I'm glad that you went there with the running backs because that's where I was going to go with this Dontrell Inman injury. You look at them losing Hunter Henry. Mike Williams was hurt this week. Inman's hurt now. I, I think, if anything, this just kind of secures value for Eckler, even if Melvin Gordon comes back and gets a full-time role. And even that, we can't suspect that to happen necessarily in Week 5. It's going to be another situation to monitor. But I am still cautiously optimistic for Eckler, at least for this coming week and maybe for one or two more weeks after that. At the very least, I think he's going to be a flex play going forward. But uh, Tremaine Pope, uh, no thanks. I I think I'll just chalk that one up as variance and move on. Uh, Are there any other key storylines or outcomes you want to discuss before we move on here, Holden? Oh, boy. Let's see here. We got, uh, you know, Kansas City with Pat Mahomes coming off a game where he didn't throw a touchdown. It was the first time in 14 games that he didn't do that. So I, th- I think maybe even multiple touchdowns. So I stick with Kansas City. Don't worry about them. They're going to be just fine. The production's been a little up and down on Travis Kelsey. We want to see more touchdowns out of him, um, but that's fine. I think in that game, too, Kenny Galladay is a, a legit number one wide receiver. So that's somebody that I would continue to try and uh, acquire at this point because Detroit's still – going to have to throw the ball. Matt Stafford is not a bad weekly streamer. He's sitting there right around 20 points every single week. And the Buffalo offense, I mean, if Josh Allen is out, it's a complete fade. 
no matter what. I just I just don't want any piece of that. I do like Devin Singletary when Allen is back in and when he's completely healthy. Uh, Cleveland was the other one. O- OBJ didn't yeah. have a catch into the fourth quarter. He had two for 20 yards. Uh, but Landry now has that concussion, as you mentioned. So that's going to be an interesting one. Did Cleveland get their offense going? Is Nick Chubb going to you know, pick up 40 PPR points every single week? No, but the Cleveland offense is one worth watching that might be on the rise. Let's get back to Kansas City. How, what are you doing with their running backs? Because Darrell Williams didn't do a whole lot on the ground. Eight carries for 13 yards. That's 1.6 yards per carry, but he got into the end zone twice. He had four targets in the passing game, three catches, 43 yards. LaShawn McCoy touched the ball a little bit more. He had the same number of targets, but only two catches. And he had three more carries than Williams did for 56 yards. Is this kind of what you expect going forward, some sort of split between these two? And how are you going to forecast that backfield if and when Damian Williams comes back? So right now to me, it is LaShawn McCoy's backfield. And I get that Damian Williams is out there too. McCoy is battling an ankle injury. The problem for Damian Williams is, for those of you that took him in the first, second, third, even fourth round, is that I think McCoy is going to have a significant role when he comes back. And it might be where Williams and McCoy are in a timeshare, and and Daryl Williams is going to get pushed to the back. That's just, he's not a guy that I'm holding. Unless McCoy goes down, he's not going to have um, a significant role in the offense. But for now, especially in... um, in standard leagues, LaShawn McCoy, two straight games where he's just looked really good, even with the ankle injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm all over McCoy. Daryl Williams, I mean, it's it's he's getting the same kind of snap rate. I I didn't have the snap rate from, from last week. I'm going to look it up right now. But McCoy is the better running back. Yeah, he's definitely performed better. And I agree with you that once Williams, Damian Williams comes back, Darrell Williams should get pushed to third in that pecking order. But I think Darrell has been fine, too. I expect this to be some sort of a committee for the rest of the season. And I think you're right to kind of peg it as McCoy 1A and then Damian Williams either 1B or maybe even 2. And then Darrell Williams, you know, 2B or, or, or 3. I, I just, it seems like they're having success regardless of who's back there because, you know, the passing offense is prolific. And I worry about all these guys' values week to week because not only are McCoy and Damian Williams dealing with injuries, uh, but th- there is just that general kind of fluctuation of usage or spread out usage across all three. Uh, but, I mean, you still want to be as you know dialed into that offense as you can be with your fantasy roster. So I think as long as there are only two backs to worry about, you want to be invested in those two backs, whether that's Darrell, Damian Williams, or, uh, or LaShawn McCoy. Let's get into the booms and the busts of the week next, but before we do, Holden, let's take a break for the sponsor of the show. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, is running the largest rake-free contest out there each and every week. All told, Fantasy Draft is regularly paying out hundreds of thousands of dollars in prizes, and all of those winnings are rake-free. That's right, Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site with no management fees taken out of the prize pools, and this isn't just a limited promotion. 100% of Fantasy Draft's contests are rake-free, Meanwhile, other DFS sites can continue to raise their rakes, squeeze prize pools, and make it harder for players like you to win. But at Fantasy Draft, the days of paying up to 16% of your entry fees to the house, those are over. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 444, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, and you'll get a free 7-day trial on your first $1,000 of rake-free entry fees. That's FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444. Don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake-free contests this season. Start playing at Fantasy Draft today. 
All right, we're back, Holden. Which of your fantasy starters made the biggest or most unexpected positive impact on your fantasy teams this week? Who was your boom of the week? I didn't think that Todd Gurley would score a couple of times. Now, the the prop on him in Vegas was he was like one of the most he was one of the most likely players to score a touchdown, and he did it. Now they didn't run the ball, but he's still pretty damn good in the passing game. So I think Todd Gurley, that was a pleasant surprise that that happened. I wasn't surprised about Fournette. I thought that he would have a big game, but he obviously saved my butt there. And I think those are the two biggest names that came out and helped me out. Jarvis Landry, obviously having a monster game, was pretty good too. And, um, you know, with the Giants and Daniel Jones, I thought Sterling Shepard would have a bigger Bigger game than he did yesterday. I guess they just got out so far that they weren't going to throw 10 passes to Sterling Shepard. And I'm concerned with Golden Tate coming back. But the guys that I thought would be better, obviously Mahomes is at the top of the list. Marlon Mack is another one. And those are really the guys that I looked at that stood out. Now, I'm sure you're going to name 85 more guys (laughs) because I don't have them at the top of my list. But those are the guys, to me, that stuck out. Yeah, I mean, I just look through my rosters and I and I see who surprised me pleasantly. And this week, the guy who really stood out to me was Austin Hooper. Like, what a revelation this guy has been for the Falcons. 11 targets, 9 catches, 130 yards in week 4. He's been the number 2 receiver for the Falcons so far, ahead of Calvin Ridley, ahead of Mohamed Sanu. I, I just don't know if that can, can continue. What do you think, Holden? At some point in time, Ridley's going to have to get back into this, right? So... If Ridley continues to struggle, though, that's their guy. The guy that's standing out to me in that offense is Austin Hooper and what he's doing yards after the catch. He's got 20-plus PPR points the last two weeks. I don't know how many how many leagues he's on the wire, but to me there's nobody more important to pick up than him. Um, Austin Hooper has turned into that number two uh, target there over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's going to continue – as long as Ridley doesn't step up. This, to me, Mohamed Sanu is going to have two games like this a year, and he had one of them. Were there any bench players that you had that put up big or unexpected positive performances? Like, Do you feel like you missed something with anybody, or did you just have an instance on a roster where you had so many good guys that somebody was, was doomed to, to bust or to blow up on your bench? Greg, I'm so good at fantasy football <laughs> that I never leave points on my bench. Um, Cortland Sutton is one guy. Mm. And I'm starting to think he's startable every week. He's now got an average, an average of seven something targets a game. He finally got in the end zone. I think Cortland Sutton is the go-to guy there for Joe Flacco right now. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. I don't know again if he is on your waiver wires or not, but and, and I think especially in like the half-point PPR stuff um, where he's getting going there. And then Chris Carson. You know, he was a good play in tournaments and daily fantasy just because Penny was out again. But the fact that he got, you know, he had almost 20 points in PPR or 20 points in PPR, that was that was impressive. So I think Carson was the other guy. And I benched him. I benched him. Who'd you start over him, out of curiosity? Good question. Let me see where we were here. Who did I start over him? I started... Josh Jacobs over him. And actually, in half-point PPR, he only got like four and a half more points. But um, I was just too concerned about Chris Carson. If he fumbled, you know, was it Procise's job? And Procise got one yesterday. So that's the guy I was concerned about was Carson. Yeah, for me, I benched Jack Doyle in a couple spots where – in spots where I could have used him, you know, uh, tight end premium leagues where he's a little bit more viable. Once T.Y. Hilton was out, I considered it, but – 
I, I don't know. I, I expected the Colts to lean more into their receivers, and this was a good reminder to me that you know replacement value doesn't always go to the hyped up players that we wanted to go to, you know, like Paris Campbell or Deion Kane, and it doesn't always go to the same position. Like just because T.Y. Hilton was out doesn't necessarily mean that a wide receiver is going to pick up all that, you know, fantasy scoring. Like sometimes it goes to the running back, sometimes it goes to the tight end. But it definitely did not go to the running backs uh, in that game. As we discussed uh, already, Marlon Mack was a pretty big bust. He was uh, in my lineup in the Scott Fishbowl. I used him a lot in DFS, and he burned me. Uh, Who else busted for you, Holden? Again, I think Mahomes. You know, when he only gets you 20 points, that stinks. I mean, that's what we want (laughs) out of Pat Mahomes. I need more than that. I need my 30 points out of Pat Mahomes every single week, okay? Um, Some other guys that kind of hurt me uh, Beckham um and then the two big guys DeAndre Hopkins I mean he had five catches 41 yards he threw a pick what the hell is Bill O'Brien doing there what a debacle that guy is and then Julio you know I mean past Calvin Johnson become the fastest receiver to lead, to, to reach 11,000 receiving yards but he also only got me two 9.2 points so those are some other names that struggled yeah, I had Hopkins in one of my home leagues and Deshaun Watson in the other, and those two tied together were both pretty big failures in Week 4, unfortunately. Uh, were there any players owned by your opponents that you are glad busted this week? For me, it was Marquise Brown. He only had four catches for 22 yards on seven targets. I just I was so terrified once the Browns ruled out Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. I thought that Marquise Brown was going to go crazy, and... Thank goodness he didn't because I was playing against him in a couple spots. Is there anybody else like that for you that uh, you're kind of breathing a sigh of relief now on Monday? You know, I rarely check my opponent box scores um, in, in all seriousness. Let me just go look and see. Oh, Wayne Gallman. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, right? I mean, give me a break. <laughs> Wayne Gallman coming off and doing that. So that was impressive. Uh, good for Wayne I did not see that coming. That was one of those performances where, based upon everything we've seen from Wayne Gallman to this point, made me think, I, I just can't trust this guy. He's just a guy. I'm not going to get burned by him if I don't get him off waivers. And, of course, he goes out, has a great game, two touchdowns, you know, receiving and rushing the ball. I I did not see it coming. That was a blind spot for me. I thought he'd get, like, 12 PPR points, okay? I thought he'd be better in PPR than he would in standard. Saquon Barkley, for the game, came out and said, my man's going to eat, and he actually ate. You know, he went out there. Uh, Will Disley's a guy I got some on, on my team. I did play him this week. I got away with it, but he was a guy that had a nice week too. So those are some of the players. That's a couple of players. I'm just looking through here through these box scores and the guys that I faced. What about what about Nook Hopkins? What about um, Alvin Kamara? You know, these guys that you took high, they're first-round picks, and they're just not doing as much as you want them to. Hopkins, 7.1 in, in my league. Kamara, 11.9. I mean, thank God I played these guys this week. Yeah, Kamara's been an interesting one because he's been so up and down. He's had those games where not only are the stats insane, but you watch him play, and the stuff he does on the field, it looks like magic. It's not, it doesn't seem human, like how he's able to stay up on his feet through some of that contact he takes and how he like slips in and out of creases. I. I'm continually amazed by the way Kamara plays, but it doesn't always translate to fantasy points, and that's really unnerving to me. I'm just, I'm always taken aback by that. How does he play so well, but only score 11 points? Like, I I, I can't connect those dots in my brain. Yeah, I mean, week one, he was terrific, right? He had Mm -hmm. the 24-point outing in PPR, and I think week two, when did Breeze get hurt? Was it the Rams game? Yeah, week two. Was it week one? It was week two, and then kind of went down, and then the Seattle game, he went bananas. And you're right, and Dallas, and you would think against Tampa Bay, he's going to go 
absolutely nuts, but then he's got some tough games. He's got Chicago, and I, I just wonder if he is if it's more defensive dependent at this point. You know, the Rams got shredded yesterday, but they're pretty good at containing uh, big games. I think from running backs, Tampa Bay, they, they got Jacksonville, Chicago, Arizona. I just think get ready for a bumpy ride, and maybe when Breeze comes back, that whole offense gets going because. Teddy Bridgewater is averaging five and a half yards, five and a half yards per completion. I mean, are, are you are you serious? What the hell is going on with Mike Thomas, man? I mean, this is just this is not good. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, we all like him, but uh, this offense is just it's so far removed, I think, from what we have been regularly seeing. By the way, it's five and a half air yards per pass, which is even worse. Five and a half air yards per pass. Thanks, Graham Barfield, saying he just attempted three deep balls on 87 passes. So, I mean, if you know a guy's not going deep, why not just stack the box and see if you can stop Kamara? Right, that's it. That low A dot gives away everything to where if he's not going to push the ball down the field, then that doesn't open up the middle of the field in the short yardage for Kamara or Latavius Murray. And, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. It'll be interesting to see how quickly Breeze can come back because they really do need him. It's it's clear that that offense is much different without him. Um, that's all I got for the recap show, Holden. Do you have anything else you want to touch on before we sign off? We're done? Man, I wanted to talk about just fantasy football for the next three hours. <laughs> so Actually, i got to pick my kid up in like an hour. No, 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 that's great. I think it was a fun show. All right, well, why don't you let folks know where they can find your work and all that good stuff. Yeah, so follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio, H-O-L-D-E-N Radio. And then uh, my Fantasy First podcast, it's uh, it's less than like eight minutes every single day. Get you all the news and notes so you don't have to sit there and scour the internet. I get you sound too, so it's going to give you a little edge. Knowledge is power, and I think you're going to get some information there. And then I'm a big daily fantasy player, and TJ Hernandez and I, every Thursday we drop a new podcast, DFS MVP. Yeah, check those podcasts out, both appointment listening every week. Uh, Holden, thanks again for coming on the show, and uh, we'll have you back tomorrow for the waiver show, as as I just said. You got it, pal. Listeners, you can follow me on Twitter, at Greg Sauce. Uh, you can follow the site, at 444Football. Be sure to get your subscription if you don't have one already, and if you do go to 444.com and subscribe, use the promo code TMAP, T-M-A-P, as in the most accurate podcast, and you will get a discount off of whatever subscription you choose. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow with Holden to talk waivers for week five. So until then, thank you for listening to the most accurate podcast. I got a story.